This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Good to be back for another episode. It feels like it's been a while since we've uh, just carved out some time to just chat. It feels. It, <laughs> it we chat twice a week. <laughs> it's been, it's been a very busy few months here at Equity Mates, and uh, crazy, crazy. It's, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. You've set the target of interviewing every CEO in Australia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we wouldn't go that far, but yes, all 200 of the top 200. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously, a lot happening with the book and all of that. But in this episode, I think it's worth us just taking a breath, pausing for a moment, and uh, catching up on things we've been reading, stocks we've been watching. But then the content train rolls on, and we're going to be joined by Specky McGee, and yes. uh, then we're launching a new show, and we're going to be joined by the hosts of uh, Talk Money to Me. Absolutely. As always, a lot going on at Equity Mates. Talk Money to Me launched last Friday. So looking forward to introducing you all to Candace and Felicity, two financial advisor experts who are hosting that show. Yeah, it's a great show. The first three episodes are now live. And in this episode, uh, Candace and Felicity have both brought a stock that's on their watch list or on their order pad that they're going to be talking through. So uh, stick around to hear two stocks that our latest hosts, both financial advisors, uh, are looking at at the moment. And who doesn't love a stock pick? <laughs> yeah, I love stock picks. You love, a, <laughs> you love a hot tip. The, you you were telling me that the only reason you want pubs to reopen is so you can get a hot tip from a mate at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so I can throw out hot tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ren. Well, let's kick off a um, bit of a catch up between you and I, what we've been watching, reading, buying. It's just going to be short and sharp, but it's just a nice way. I don't think we've uh, caught up on this level before because of everything that's going on. So what have you been doing? <laughs> yeah, well, with lockdowns and we hope everyone is going okay with lockdowns. I mean, the, the faint, faint silver lining is when I can slack off and pretend that I'm working and tell you that I'm what? working. When does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gives us a lot more time to, I guess, consume content and look at stocks and, and invest. So there's been a lot happening. I think let's start, let's start with what we've been reading. So I've read two books recently that I want to add to, I guess, your reading list. And um, yeah. We should also give a shout out here that uh, if people may not have noticed, we've updated our website and we're now pulling out all book recommendations and putting them on the website. So mm. people can jump over there if they want to see books that have been recommended by experts. But um, two books, 
first one, the the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz. Yeah. Um, have you read it? No, but you have been harping on about it for a long time, and I feel yeah. like if I don't read it soon, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So yeah. I'm definitely going to get that on the watch list. Really interesting book. So Ben Horowitz, now one half of the you know superstar venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, um, but the book it really centers around his time pre VC um, when he was uh, leading a couple of different companies, and really it was in sort of the the early days of, well, not the early days of Silicon Valley, but the late 90s and early 2000s. And it's just a fascinating read for for a number of reasons. But the thing that really stands out to me is they were trying to commercialize cloud computing and basically make cloud computing a thing. And obviously we look at it today and we're like, well, Cloud computing is everywhere. Amazon and Google and Microsoft are all, you know, making so much money from from cloud computing. But these guys were too early. And as I read it and, you know, read how the business struggled and, and didn't really succeed, it was just such a stark reminder to me that a lot of these themes that we're talking about today, you know, there was the medical marijuana boom. There was the mm. lithium boom. Um, although that one is still still going. There's all. There was the um, gambling boom where it looked like America was. Well, America was slowly creeping towards legalization. Like all of these stock market booms happen because it's like there's a trend that makes sense. But you can be too early, and companies can be too early. And and reading this just was like really stark how. The best operators with great ideas can just be at the wrong time. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes timing is everything. And uh, unlike trying to time the market when it comes to getting businesses off the ground and uh, or getting big ideas that are innovative and transformational off the ground, uh, you, you're right. You could have it. But if you can't execute it at the right time, then someone else might get it a bit further down the track. Yeah, yeah. The other book that I've been reading, I think this was recommended to us by, I can't remember the expert. Um, this is where the new website would really come in handy. I could just look <laughs> it up, but I don't have it in front of me. So um, I'm not going to try and guess who it was, but it's it's Cokeland. Um, the, you, you've probably heard of the Coke brothers. Um, yep, yep. Charles and David Coke. And they, I guess, are famous for funding right-wing politicians and for basically astroturfing um u.s politics and fake creating like fake grassroots organizations to like push their political agendas and that's all i really knew about them and and i didn't really want to know anything more about them but when it was recommended to us i was like i'll give this a go it sounds interesting and it's fascinating it's fascinating to read how it really it was more charles than david but how they built this business and how they made all their money and this business is just in everything like it is in yeah they basically just found industries that people didn't think about or there weren't any big players or the big players weren't known but were just critical to global supply chains and they just dominated these markets uh it was and i imagine still is the largest privately held company in america and it's a fascinating business story you have to put the ethics of how they spent their money to one side did, did they did they mention at all why they didn't ever go public they didn't want uh like public control like charles it, it was actually like a it's really interesting like so there's there were three brothers and one of the brothers sued the other two brothers and then did this whole like smear campaign in in public and, and it dragged on for years and years and years because yeah, basically one of the brothers wanted them to go public or wanted more money out of them and um, all these investment bankers tried to get them to go public but Charles was just like, no, nah, not having it. Mm. Mm. But really the big takeaway for me for that book amongst a number of really interesting stories was um, they, you often hear about like the financialization of, of the US economy especially and how like everything really ended up in financial markets and like so much wealth, so much knowledge, so much talent and so much of the economy eventually got centered around financial markets. And this story that starts in like the 50s and the 60s and goes all the way to the present day 
it really follows that arc and it, it really shows just like how much money got centered away from like the real economy that was making goods and services and instead mm-hmm. got centered around financial markets where, you know, you, you make money, I guess, like trading um, rather mm. than creating. Just a fascinating business story. So another one that uh, I'd highly recommend. So that was Cokeland. Yeah. K-O-C-H. Yeah, Cokeland. All right, Ren. Well, I'll add both of those to my list because you have been talking about them for, for a while. So um, I'll make sure I check them out. They should be on our website if people are interested. But if not, we can add them in there because now we've got a new website. We, we can do, do it. And we've got to use it now. <laughs> and we've got to use it. Yeah. Nice. What about you? Um, Anything you've been reading? Uh, I've been reading a lot of fiction. Uh, I find that it's a good way for me to unwind after the, at the end of the day. So um, whilst I have a fair few books on order, also based on your recommendations on Amazon that are delayed because of what's going on in supply chains at the moment. Um, but we've been fortunate enough to have been sent uh, the Buy Now, Pay Later book by our mate over at the AFR, Jonathan Shapiro. So obviously being a shareholder of APT Afterpay, I've enjoyed reading that. So, Bro, you were a shareholder before it was APT. <laughs> True, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what been... it was before that? No, no, I should. Uh, yeah. No, Afterpay Touch. Maybe it was just APY. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. APY, yeah. yeah, and then it went to APT, Afterpay Touch. But anyway, it's an interesting read. I think I'm, um, the, the one thing I'm really enjoying about it is not is getting a bit of a history of Australian markets and, and uh, business as well. You know, it's not just about um, Afterpay. You get a real sense of what it's been like over the last sort of 10 years or so, and I'm really enjoying that. But outside of reading, I've actually been looking at an ETF, and I feel like you'd have um, some insight on this side. So be great to get your opinion, but one of our mates has been talking about uh, an ETF called Crane Shares Global Carbon ETF (KRBN). Um, and as we say on the show, nothing wrong with um, taking a stock tip or having a look, <laughs> but you must you do research yourself. <laughs> but you must do research yourself. And so I've spent the last couple of weeks actually digging into this a bit, and I'm trying to understand the bigger picture. And so. I guess at a high level, this ETF tracks the carbon price through carbon credit future contracts, which then leads to a conversation around, well, how do we think the carbon price is going to act and perform over the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years? Because uh, it's obviously playing a pretty important part in the decarbonization of of the world at the moment. And we know that there are a lot of companies now saying that they're going to be going to net zero emissions and governments committing to uh, net zero as well by sort of 2030 onwards. And for me, this seems like a good way of investing in that change. Yeah, it also makes a lot of sense for you because uh, investing in the price of carbon is a good way to hedge the risk in your fossil fuel heavy portfolio. That is just not true. Uh, the the part, the second part to this conversation is that after having a few conversations around ESG of late, I did a portfolio review to see how carbon intensive my portfolio oh, really? was, and I'm okay. and I'm happy to report that I'm not all cigarettes gambling uh, or uh, oil and mining. <laughs> okay, no, but that aside, that aside. Um, so this led to me trying to, you know, understanding the role that carbon credits and the carbon price has to play when it comes to companies actually reaching these net emissions. And as I understand it, one way they can do it is by buying carbon credits. And that's how they get to the net. So essentially they say, we'll buy these credits and then still be able to offload X amount of carbon or, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, but the this this then becomes a supply and demand play with the supply of these credits less than the demand from these companies and as such the price of these credits is going to continue to rise that's one way to kind of look at it yeah um and and that's a thesis i guess which is why i think this is an etf that i'm pretty keen on yeah i mean you have to look at the regulatory environments in each country because there are different ways that credits can be created so in some uh countries it may be that the government issues credits and there's like a fixed number of credits that can be traded and 
if supply is fixed and demand increases, then yeah, sure, that that logic makes sense. The other way uh, that it could work and the way that it works in Australia with uh, certificates is you create certificates and then other companies have to buy certificates. Mm. Um, and so as more renewables come online, more certs are created, the rate at which companies are making these net zero emissions pledges, I would agree that demand is probably outstripping supply at the moment. But yeah, like, you know, when, when I worked at Coles, we had to buy certs and um, then if you want to go net zero, you have to buy even more or you have to put a whole bunch of solar panels on roofs and enter into a whole mm. bunch of power purchase agreements and build like large scale solar or wind. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really interesting thesis, not one that I've had a look at too closely, but it's, it's a curious one. But I think you call out there around companies saying they're net zero and how they achieve that is worth mm. highlighting. It's great. Like, don't get me wrong. It's great because if a company is going to buy carbon credits or certificates, then they're creating a market for those credits and they're incentivizing more renewable energy to come online to supply those credits. That's great. That's that's the market operating. But Telstra saying they're net zero or, you know, like all these companies saying they're net zero, that doesn't mean they're not emitting um, yeah, the net is the key word it, there. It doesn't, but, but it doesn't even, and like everyone understands that, but it doesn't even mean that they're reducing their yeah, emissions, yeah. their gross emissions. Yeah. It just means they're offsetting them. They should be offset, offset zero. That well, that's <laughs> really? why. That's why when you see a company say they're going net zero, also see if they're actually r- reducing their emissions as well. And Telstra, to their credit, have come out and said. We are net zero and we're continuing to like to put all these projects in place to reduce our total emissions as well. So yeah, that's that that is an interesting one. I think you do, you can do the maths and like if you buy like the the cheapest worst credits in globally, it's really not that expensive for most companies to go net zero. Interesting. Well, there yeah. you go. If you buy like if you buy credits like certs in Australia and stuff like that, it, it is more expensive. But um. Mm. Yeah, uh, and every like we we did that episode on um, with Corda where we listened to yeah, the yeah. Australian earnings calls. Every CEO we listened to talked about sustainability. Yeah. It's yeah, it's uh, everywhere now. The Australian investing community is is holding these companies accountable for it. Mm, mm. Well, this is one way in which, which I'm sort of dipping my toe into that. Um, that marketplace, I guess, and uh, I'll continue to do a bit of research on it, but so far, so good. I think um, I'm going to drip into it a little. So for those interested at home, KRBN is the ticker. It's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, Check it out. Really interesting theme there, Bryce. Definitely one that is getting a lot more, I guess, airtime or a lot more um, news focus. Um, And I think it's it's going to be an interesting ETF to watch. So uh, good one to to bring to the table. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we are joined by an equity mate's favourite, someone who's been desperate to come back on the show. He says <laughs> he's got big things for us. Uh, after this, we're going to be joined by Specky McGee. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Bryce... It's about that time, the time we've all been waiting for. 
Let's call the Specky hotline. <laughs> Let's do it. 200,000 shares Blue Star at 19 and a half. Can you position it in one of your equity funds? Listen, Blue Horseshoe loves Blue Star Airlines. Hello. Okay. You've reached the Specky hotline. <laughs> Great to hear from you too, Specky. We are looking forward to this I'm one. Glad the number still works. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. And given some of my recent performances, um, I'm struggling to pay the Optus bill, but I'm still keeping it alive. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the call. <laughs> well, you've been harping on for a while about coming back on the show with some big Specky tips. And I know that uh, the Equity Mates audience have also been peppering us knowing when Specky's coming back on. So, we're going to throw it over to you to uh, give us the update on what's happening in the world of speckies. Of course, this is not a buy, hold or sell recommendation because we all know you do absolutely no due diligence. And, uh, but we're going to throw it to you to let, to let us know what's the latest in the world of speckies. Thanks, Bryce. So speaking of a lack of DD, I had a reflection recently that what I want to do, instead of doing the DD myself, I'm going to outsource it. So I've... <laughs> I've paid someone on Fiverr to give me a recommendation, which I'm going to pass on to you guys. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to play that audio. <laughs> All right, so nice. So you've done nothing here to keep it interesting because I got this done two months ago, and I've been trying. I've been asking you guys to get me on the show for two months, but you've been ignoring me. So. I actually know <laughs> what has happened to these two picks since then. So there's two picks. That's how time okay, works. You Go can act, and you know. <laughs> yeah. That's how time so, works. So to keep it interesting, for those playing at home, I'm going to play the two recommendations, and then you guys need to tell me whether you would buy one of them, which one, or both of them, or neither of them, based on the tip. Yeah. All right. All right, and, and you need to promise me okay. you won't Google anything related to that. Okay, cool. All right. No Googling. Sure. No sure. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Rick, and on behalf of Specky McGee, I'd like to provide a quick analysis of one stock and one crypto. First, I am not a financial advisor, and this is not financial advice. Ticker symbol ITRM, why I am bullish. One, imminent FDA approval for their urinary tract infection or UTI drug. It's novel because it will be the most effective oral medication of this type of infection. Two, the CEO bought 322,000 shares of his own company stock two months ago. Always a good sign. As well as the medical director who bought 256,000 shares at the same time almost two months ago to the day. LinkedIn post by Anna Rangelova announcing a partnership to launch ITRM's drug Sulopenem. So with those indications, I think that uh, FDA approval is eminent and the stock will go up from there. Second is a crypto symbol, CELR for Seller Network. Why I'm bullish. One, their product, Seabridge's mainnet will be live by the end of next month. Their layer two finance testnet should be concluded by the end of next month as well. And if no issues are found, that will also likely be ready to roll out. Number two, one has to only look at what Polygon did with their Layer 2 scaling program to know what the potential is here. Trade safe and trade happy. Okay, boys. So we've got two, two tips there. <laughs> what do you think of that? Two outsource tips. <laughs> Honestly, that analysis was better than I would have expected from Specky McGee. I think we need to get this guy to be our new Specky McGee. <laughs> he, he, he lost me at imminent approval. I was like, this is way too deep. Like, what are you talking about? All right. Um, so you've got ITRM, <laughs> the UTI drug company, and then you've got CELR, cryptocurrency, good seller. So Bryce... Do you like either of them, neither of them, or, or what are you thinking? Look, I, t I got totally lost on Seller, to be honest. CLR, kind of didn't catch what he was saying, but also too deep for me, I think. I can get my head around uh, ITRM, the uh, UTI drug, uh, yep. FDA approval uh, impending. So TBC on whether or not that did get across the line, I'm assuming if it did, then it probably would have gone gangbusters. I like the fact that they had skin in the game from a management point of view. If I was to lean one way, it'd probably be that way. But I also know that crypto has bounced in the time over the last two months. So I'm just going to go YOLO and say, I'll take both, hedge my bets. 
Both. I like it. Okay, <laughs> cool. All right. Before I reveal the results, Brent? Well, uh, in the interest of this game, I think I have to go different to Bryce. Um, so I'm going to say they didn't get FDA approval and uh, who the hell knows what's going on with crypto. So I'm going to say neither. I'm going to stay in cash. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, Ren, assuming a, a return of zero on the cash, you are... Uh, you haven't made any. You haven't lost any. Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, And Bryce is up 12%. So interestingly, the cryptocurrency uh, went up 95%. So this is two months ago. Yeah, 95. two months ago, right? So if if I were to give those tips when I asked you to have me on the show, your listeners may be up 95%. Now... <laughs> no, because they're not they're not buy hold or sell tips. And it's not even your tip. It's not even your tip. There's a lot of you shade being it. thrown about how he doesn't get on the show enough. <laughs> yeah, okay, but but perhaps even more interestingly, ITRM is down sixty seven percent since that tip. I'm assuming they didn't get approval. No FDA approval, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, you haven't no, even looked well, at well, it. Well, what's even... <laughs> get the fiver guy back. Get him to give us an update. <laughs> no, if you if you actually Google the company, there is a class action against them for the executives making false and misleading statements. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's wow. not good. That's not Have you good. had a chat to your analyst about his uh, his picks? So yeah, there's a there's a class action against them, false and misleading statements. So I mean, I guess the listeners could join the class action too. I don't know. So I guess to kind of I guess to kind of close this out, then what what is that, the key, what's well, the key I think, takeaway here? No, uh, that he doesn't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bryce. Excellent question. I think you guys can read between the lines here. Um, don't go to Fiverr for specky recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. go to Fiverr. It's not bad. It's kind of impressive. 95%. So, yeah, overall up 12% over two months. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Well, let us know next time you go on Fiverr. Or how about next time you come back on, you bring another form of DD that doesn't involve Fiverr, but perhaps doesn't involve your level of DD either, but is another <laughs> form of DD. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad that's not bad yeah, i would like yeah. some I, I would like you to uh do some street surveys like some vox pops and uh get yeah, do sure. some street level you know, okay and where do i send the invoice <laughs> 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 all right all righty specky well we will have to leave it there but thank you for coming on, sharing the tips. That was uh, ITRM down 65% and CELR up 95%. Nice ones. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, keen to come back on soon. I've got to say, next time I'm on, big announcement. Okay. I like that. Oh, wow. I like that. Okay. All right. Big we'll see you in two months. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll chat soon, Specky. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, Ren, as always, it's very chaotic when we chat to Specky. Hard to get a bit of a a grasp on what's actually going on in the world of Specky stocks, but that's just because I imagine it's a pretty crazy world out there. I feel no more educated about the Specky side of the market than 10 minutes ago, but... Uh, It's classic. But anyway, um, full credit to doing no DD on that. So, Ren, from absolutely no DD with Specky to a lot more DD and uh, some actual thought and consideration when it comes to investment ideas and uh, wealth building strategies. And that is coming from our two amazing hosts of our new show, Talk Money to Me, Candice and Felicity. So we're excited for this show. And uh, here they are chatting about what to expect and two of their favorite stocks at the moment. So, Ren, as we said at the start of the show, we are super excited because we uh, have launched a brand new show here at Equity Mates. Equity Mates continues to grow and give new voices to the finance and investing community. And 
Talk Money to Me with our amazing hosts, Felicity Thomas and Candice Burke, is now live and we are super, super excited. That's right. We, for years, have said we are not experts and we're not financial advisors. Finally, we have some experts here at Equity Mate. (laughs) (laughs) Phew bringing some credibility to the party, but we have them uh, with us on the show today to actually talk through what Talk Money to Me is all about and then to give a bit of a taste as to what you can expect on the episodes with uh, one of their formats, Autopad, which I'm really excited about where they're essentially going to say great investment ideas. So they're not buy, hold or sell. We'll touch on that in a second, but let's start at the top. Candice, are you able to introduce yourselves? Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, big bar straight away you've set here that we are the experts in the room. That's That makes me feel good. So as you said, you know, I'm Candice Burke and I'm a senior investment advisor at Shoren Partners. And I've been in the industry providing financial advice and investment advice for over six years now. I work closely with my work wife, Felicity Thomas, and essentially we deliver holistic financial and investment advice to all of our clients. You know, we cover Lots of different areas of, of advice being investments, superannuation, insurance, estate planning, the list goes on and on. And essentially our role as advisors, we break it down by three key points. Firstly, we understand our clients' goals and objectives. Once we know those, we interpret their goals and objectives really into the right financial strategy. And then we just deliver the advice from there. And so I'm the other part of this dynamic duo, Felicity Thomas. I'm a senior private wealth advisor at Shoreham Partners, and I've been providing holistic financial advice for over nine years now. Makes me feel a little bit old. Now, people (laughs) close to me would actually describe me as a problem solver. So there's usually not a problem that can't be solved. And I'm definitely a glass half full kind of girl. Now, along with everything Candice just mentioned, we are also big advocates for financial literacy, in particular financial literacy for women. So together we co-founded Her Financial Network at the end of 2020 to connect women, look, and men, but particularly women to trusted advice professionals. Now, as we said, you guys are experts and you've helped Australians of all income levels uh, get on top of their finances and get ahead in their finances. Uh, But we want to learn from your experience in this episode and I'm sure in future episodes as well. Um, What are some of the most common mistakes you're seeing Australians making when it comes to their money? I think that's a really interesting question because for me personally, what I guess frustrates me or might be an error that we commonly see is initial poor advice that they may have received in the past. So, you know, for example, they might be in their peak earning period, like in their 30s to their 50s. And someone in the past has said, you should just, you know, buy this investment property in your personal name or start investing in the markets in your personal name. But when you are thinking holistic and a broader approach, which is what Felicity and I do, that's not necessarily the best approach. You know, could we be thinking maybe we can invest in a company structure, a family trust? Can we somehow capitalize and utilize the superannuation environment you know, particularly if you're getting close to 60, 65, like that's the best vehicle, right? So I guess, you know, when it comes to a learning and what we continually do on a day-to-day basis with our clients is just educate and broaden our clients' horizons on the different possibilities, right, of your financial landscape. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also a really good question that you asked. I mean, really, it's like, how long do we have? Um, for me, this is a brief. Uh, this is a brief one, Felicity. We got ten seconds. Go, for Felicity. Me, it's clients. For me, it's clients not seeking advice in general, right? So you're never too young or never too old to seek professional financial advice. Yes, you need to pay for good advice, but it actually usually pays for itself after a few years. As an advisor, we do value our time and expertise and we charge accordingly, but it's not a bad thing, right? It means you should be getting quality advice. If advice was free, do you really think that your advisor has spent the time, you know, analyzing your individual circumstances and giving you the very best advice? Another common mistake is not actually knowing where you're invested or understanding your own behavioral biases as it, you know, and how that can actually impact your investment decisions. You honestly don't want to know how many clients we had to convince not to sell their portfolios during the COVID crash of 2020. I mean, they're really good things. <laughs> yeah. Love to hear that that was your approach as well. If, if you'd both turned around and said, uh, we told our clients to sell, then uh, I think we'd have to be having a conversation more broadly <laughs> about the podcast. But you've, you've both raised some really 
key points there and some that I'm already thinking about. And so I'm very much looking forward to hearing the content that you guys are going to be um, pushing out through this podcast. There's no doubt that you two have an amazing chemistry and have spent a lot of time working together in this space. And I think, you know, are going to provide a lot of value. So are you able to elaborate a bit more on the podcast specifically and, and what was the idea behind this and really what can we, I guess, expect over the next few months, years, decades with this podcast? Yeah, decades, decades. yeah, put it there. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, well, like you kind of indicated, we, as you can tell, we love our jobs. We're super passionate. We love helping people, you know, and I think I personally get a lot of satisfaction out of educating and empowering clients to find out different strategies, right, like I mentioned earlier. So we just essentially wanted to share these insights, learnings and lessons with a wider audience, not just keep it to our clients you know, my close friends would say that in my past life, I must have been a doctor or nurse because I just love helping people. And I put it down to this, a financial advisor, like what we do for our clients, essentially has the same duty of care as a doctor in terms of their financial well-being. So we can really make a powerful impact or a negative impact if you get poor financial advice to a client. So we take the duty of care very seriously. So We set out six years ago when we started working together thinking, how can we grow the business? What else can we do rather than just provide financial advice to our clients? We talked about a book launch. I know you guys just went down that (laughs) route. We always were talking about a podcast. Like, you know, this is the time that we live in these days is super exciting because you can really um, share your insights to the broader Yeah, and I think another reason why we wanted to put this together is because there's a lot of wealth podcasts out there and a lot are available, but there's not a lot that I would listen to personally. I mean, we wanted to be that wealth podcast that took our insights to the next level and one that really dives a little bit deeper into financial concepts and strategies. Don't expect Investing 101 from us or what a savings account is on our podcast. It's just not what we're about. We're assuming that our listeners have the knowledge and are ready to take things to the next level. Yeah. That, I'm particularly excited about that element. You know, we've uh, done a lot of investing content here at Equity Mates and some of the other podcasts we have at Equity Mates Media, but uh, your podcast is going to be a lot more holistic than that. It's going to talk about all aspects of wealth creation, and uh, I'm excited to listen, but I'm also excited to steal all of your best ideas and implement them in my personal finances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but look, we are an investing show, so we are going to focus on, I guess, some of the investing related content that uh, you guys will be creating uh, in this little segment today. Um, One type of episode that you'll be producing is called Autopad, where you share stock ideas that you're talking about with your clients, perhaps you're even buying for your clients, um, and you've each brought a a stock uh, that's on your Autopad today to talk about. Um, So we'd love to um, unpack them. Before we do, it's just important to stress that while you guys are licensed financial advisors, you're on a podcast and you're not aware of anyone's personal financial circumstances who are listening. So this is a add it to your watch list, do your own research and consider it yourself. This is not a buy, hold or sell recommendation. But in But in saying that, uh, we're excited to hear about these companies today. Uh, So, Felicity, why don't we start with you? Um, You've brought the company Family Zone, ASX ticker FZO. So, can you tell us about the company and why it's on your order pad? Yeah, definitely. So, it's a 510 million market cap, which makes it a small cap. It can be found on the Australian Technology Index. Now, Family Zone Cybersecurity actually engages in the development of parental control platforms. It's created a single system that manages the majority of the parental control functions in a cloud-based application. Now, this singular approach enables schools, parents, cyber safety experts to collaborate to keep children safe anywhere, at any time, and on any device or network. Now, the company was actually founded by Tim Levy, Ben Trigger and Paul Robinson and Crispin Swan in 2014 and it's actually headquartered in Western Australia. So the reason that we like this company and we have been buying it for our clients since late last year, um, it's actually also one of Shaw's analyst top buys 
Um, we recently participated in the rights issue at 55 cents because we think this company is exactly in the right sector being tech and the theme family cybersecurity. So it's got a lot going for it. I mean, I believe there is a $200 billion growth opportunity in cloud cybersecurity over the next five years. Now, you probably would have noticed this, but there's a global shift towards digital SaaS model businesses. And we saw that acceleration last year during COVID and now this year with the extended COVID lockdowns. Family Zone has the scalability, the ease of deployment and the consumer relevance. So it's experienced high growth that, in my view, is proving to be sustainable into the future. I mean, online, children are likely to be exposed to adult content, cyberbullying, privacy issues, sleep disturbances, if their usage is not monitored and tailored for control. You know, FZO's control solutions were actually developed to address these issues, creating digital environments where children can thrive. I mean, last time I actually pitched Family Zone, I think it was on Ausbiz and we also posted on her financial network. It had 2.5% market share in the US. It's now got 7% of market share in the US whilst building an international firewall. Um, if you want to look at probably the financial metrics and a recent catalyst, uh, Family Zone last month agreed to purchase Smoothwall, which is a UK-based provider of K-12 digital solutions for $142 million, which is why they recently raised $146 million. Now, on a combined basis, Family Zone business will now serve 9 million students, 18,000 schools, and have an annual reoccurring revenue run rate of around $44 million, which has a essentially tripled its reoccurring revenue. Now, after the acquisition, Family Zone should have around $33 million left in cash, so for ongoing working capital, which is important. And then on a pro forma basis, the business will deliver an FY21 EBITDA loss of $12.7 million, being an assumed EBITDA loss of $19.7 million for Family Zone in FY21, less the $7 million in EBITDA from Smoothwall. But this should drop to the loss of $5.3 million for FY22, and then it actually should be EBITDA positive by FY23 with $12.1 million. So for me, the upside is actually really endless with this business, and it could be very meaningful if they reach 17.5% penetration in the US and UK, that would actually net an additional $92 million in annual reoccurring revenue by FY25 or an EBITDA positive of $36.5 million. Love it. Now, because we helped raise capital, Shore is still restricted in providing an updated 12-month price target. And it's kind of already trading around that level, around $0.77. Cents. However... Consensus price target for the Smoothwall acquisition is around $1.20 to $1.25, so I actually expect by the time this podcast is released, our price target would be similar. So, you know, for your listeners, upside around these current levels is about 66%. That's it. It's, it's good. It's a good company for long-term growth. Nice felicity. Well, I love listening to that and uh, no doubt that certainly excites me for for the rest of these Autopad episodes. However, there is still half of talk money to me to go. Candice, you have the you have the floor. <laughs> You're pitching a stock that we have spoken about on the show uh, a couple of years ago from memory, Atomos, ticker AMS, but I'm sure you're going to come at this with a le- level of uh, rigor that we perhaps didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> looking forward to hearing this on. <laughs> so the company today that I'm going to pitch is AMS, like you've mentioned. It's considered a small micro cap, right? Because it's only really 330 mil as a market cap right now. And it falls under, obviously, the tech sector of the ASX. I found this stock for the first time back in the beginning of the pandemic, all that time ago in March 2020, because I was actually quickly realizing, you know, we can't go to the office. I've got to quickly get all my home office set up. And Atomos does exactly that, right? It's a video technology company which enhances video content creation, you know, to help existing products like um, Zoom, Squadcast like we're on, you know, all the digital media uh, tools that we use in the pandemic world is really where Atomos plays in that space. So it designs, develops and commercializes the monitor recording products to ensure that content creators of all kind are constantly accessing the latest video monitoring technology out there. The company has been around for a while, which is always something that I look for. I don't want to necessarily always jump into a very new company because maybe it's still an idea, for example. So it's been around since 2010, founded by Jeremy Young, and the headquarters is here in Australia. Another tick in my box. So why I like the company is, 
You know, our research indicates that AMS is a global leader in the monitoring recording space, and it's got the potential to really deliver those significant returns in the long run in the video digital age that we live in. In our view, AMS deserves and commands a higher EV sales multiple than what the market's currently offering. I say that because AMS has a high and stable gross margin business. They reported recently 48% in FY21. That's impressive numbers. And massive upside potential in their software sales, 100% gross margin. This is what this business is running. AMS has significant operating leverage to offer the market with leading products, and they've only really scratched the surface of penetrating the global markets in the US, Europe, and Asia. They've just also recently announced significant and meaningful partnerships with the global technology companies, such as Apple, and Adobe. So the company's well primed for growth and large product development. I also like the fact that Atomos plays in the gaming space. You know, no pun intended here. We know that the gaming industry has the potential to have super significant returns in the next five to 10 years. AMS has the platform and the core technology already developed to layer across the gaming industry to produce more exceptional market leading products. The latest numbers out there on streamers is sitting around nine and a half million as of Feb 2021. I think that trend is going to keep going up, right? Because we're not coming out of the pandemic world anytime soon, unfortunately. So assuming that Atomos just penetrates only 1% of this gaming market, they're going to hit revenues of like 600 million plus. And this is a huge addressable market because upside of 50% is what the company's forecasting in FY23. So that's just one gaming platform that we're looking at. We haven't even thought about, you know, YouTube, Facebook, the list goes on. So assumptions that we see the company growing as really just based on one platform provider. So pretty conservative for AMS. Recently, the company reported in the midst of reporting season, like I mentioned earlier, revenues were super impressive, up 77% year on year, gross profit up 133%. 133 percent love like, to see don't it you wish you would. that's massive that's year on year margins 50 percent ebitda love a profitable tech business like Rare that's to say. Great. ebitda of eight million call me old-fashioned but i invest in profitable businesses <laughs> and the result was well ahead of expectations and as we see every day fliss and i When a company sets the bar and they beat on expectations, even if it's $1, they get rewarded massively in the market. So, you know, since they reported, they're up about uh, in the last 30 days, the share price has done a 30% rally or so. Love that. In terms of recommendations and long-term price targets, and when I say long-term, you've got to think at least 12 months. That's how the analysts put the price target on there. It's Shore & Partners is sitting at a $2 share price and the market consensus about $1.93. So we're talking significant upside on current levels. That's why, you know, again, I'm a user of the Atomos products. I think it's in the right sector. It's a really strong business with lots of growth legs, well-run, great balance sheet. Love it. Love it. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I love that for two reasons. First of all, because it's that Peter Lynch style of investing, like invest in what you know, and it's a it's a company that you've used their exactly. product, and that's that's where it really started. The other reason I love it is because Atomos was my stock of the year in uh, 2020. Unfortunately, it fell 30%. It fell more than that during COVID and then never fully recovered. But I've just been having a look at its price chart. It's back to where it was when I picked it as my stock of the year in 2020. We'll keep holding. So now I I, I think the growth is going to come. Especially after that. I was just too early. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Candice Felicity, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You've not only left us with a couple of questions to consider when it comes to thinking about uh, wealth building that I think, you know, it's only going to be more interesting as as you bring more of those questions to light over the the course of this podcast, but two also really interesting uh, stocks to think about as well. So, um, for those listening through the Equity Mates community at the moment, uh, Candace and Felicity will be doing a need to know episode where they're going to be deep diving on a, a strategy or a thematic that is important and something that they believe is uh, really important to know. Then there's going to be an interview component or an episode where they'll chat with experts within their network to help unpack uh, that need to know. And 
and then obviously this order pad which i am sure is going to be a smash hit so um plenty of content coming on talk money to me and we are super excited to now have this as part of the equity mates media family so girls welcome and uh we can't wait to see this play out thank you we're excited to be here so there we have Candice and Felicity from Talk Money to Me. Uh, really excited to get this show launched. Well, it actually has launched. First three episodes are currently live in your podcast app. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, search Talk Money to Me uh, and you can listen to their first three episodes and subscribe because they're going to be sharing a lot of good content. I'm pretty pumped for this one. So Bryce, that brings us to the end. A bit of a segmented episode. We had a bit of a chat and we were joined by Specky and uh, then we spoke to Felicity and Candice. Really the full range of the investing universe <laughs> from the absolute uh, punter that is Specky McGee to some experts in their field in Felicity and Candice. So uh, good episode and um, speak to you again on Thursday. Sounds good. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.